Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Journeys podcast. My name is Brad. I am your host. This is a podcast dedicated to exploring different people's journeys of faith. You know, I believe each and every one of us is on a journey of faith, regardless of our religion or creed. And I believe faith goes deeper than just attending a religious worship on a weekend, but that it guides and leads our lives through the best of times and through the worst of times. So it's my hope that through this podcast that we can see that each of us has a journey to take and that along that journey, we are never alone. So I want to welcome uh, today's guest. He's a friend of mine, Trung Lam. Trung is the executive director and co-founder of the Village Connect, a nonprofit whose mission is connecting organizations and individuals to create the village needed to light a path towards stability and independence. It's a really great organization, and we're going to be talking about that a little bit today in today's episode. In his free time, Trung uh, enjoys spending time with his family, diving into books, and looking for new ways to learn from and to help people and the world around him. So Trung, welcome to today's show, my friend. Great to have you on. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, Brett. Absolutely. So uh, Trung, we've known each other how long now? Probably about two, two years, three years, something like that. Oh, man. You're going to age us both if we go. <laughs> no, we try no, to trace no longer than that. Just cut. If it's longer than three, <laughs> just cut it off. So. <laughs> yeah, let's say in, the, in our uh, eternal youth. Yes, I think uh, three years or so. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And we met through a mutual friend of ours, um, Emmett, and because um, yep. we both ventured into the nonprofit world, not knowing what the heck we were doing, right? <laughs> I, I, I would still say that remains true. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's a, it, is a, it is a journey every day, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, Trunk, um, so tell, tell our audience a little bit more about you. Let them uh, get to know you a little bit. What, who are you, you know, beyond just the, right. the, the intro um, that you gave us? Uh, <laughs> kind of introduce yourself to, to our audience today. Yeah, sure. So again, thanks for, for having me, Brad. This is a real honor and pleasure. Uh, again, my name is Trung Lam. Uh, I am a diehard Houstonian. So uh, been, been through and uh, no pun intended, have weathered a few storms here in this great city of Houston. <laughs> yeah. um, and I, and I, you know, I've made a lot of uh, friends along the way. So I, I'll give you a little bit of my professional background. Um, I'm in medicine um, and I'm also, um, you know, doing research as well on cancer at MD Anderson. Um, but on top of that, you know, what I'd really like to, um, to always um, challenge myself to do is throughout my life as I've gotten older, um, as far as I've gotten less younger, let's put it that way. <laughs> I have, yeah, that's um, better. <laughs> I have um, always focused on trying to lead a, a purpose-driven life. And um, I think probably the seed for that probably comes from a lot of it has to do with my faith and a lot of it has to do with my upbringing and my parents and my household. So I'm really grateful to have that sort of environment and to have this sort of ecosystem in which I could build the, the, a very strong foundation um, to lead me to my, you know, somewhat success and my continuing success, hopefully, so I can continue to, uh, you know, help the community and give back to the community. Um, yeah, and, and I guess I'll give one more line in terms of who I am. You know, I am the type of person who um, you probably get annoyed at if you see me repeatedly uh, or on a regular basis because I will never fail to smile and wave at you and ask how you are doing and mean it. And most people are not. <laughs> most people He's are not, not familiar. Kidding, He's not kidding. <laughs> most people are not familiar with that mo. Um, and I think we just become so scripted. Um, and, and, and really just so focused on how we believe others see us and how others judge us that we forget what it really feels to be human. So I'm always constantly searching for ways to really humanize the experience for myself and for others around me. So that's who I am in a nutshell. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, something that you said in there about leading a, a purpose-driven life. You know, I think it's so important for people to uh, have a purpose, right? I mean, having a purpose is a huge part of feeling valued, yes. 
of uh, uh, having um, a, a meaningful life, right? And, and I think we all want to have a purpose, don't we? I mean, oh, really? yeah. isn't, isn't that what we mm -hmm. want, right? Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I believe that we all are born with a natural desire uh, to want to help others. Yes, uh, yes, 100%. But, um, you know, something always gets in the way of that. You know, as we grow up, um, as we get, uh, as you said, less younger, <laughs> uh, we, uh, we lose that, you know, right. I see right. that in my kids right now, like they're, they're always wanting to help, um, yeah. other people. Yeah, for sure. Um, what, what, uh, what causes us to, to lose that? I wonder, you know? Oh, this is a great conversation starter. How long do we have on this podcast? Is it a few hours? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Brad, you know, I, I think as you well know, and I think as most people who really genuinely try to tackle some sort of, you know, charitable effort or charitable initiative, I think one of the things that we constantly ask ourselves is that, you know, why people have this basic capacity to do good and want to help and how that sort of gets lost along the way. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we constantly search for that because that translates into, in terms of more practical matters, like, you know, funding dollars in terms of personnel who are committed to a specific cause. And I think a lot of it has to do with, I mentioned it a little bit before, but kind of the social script and society, so uh, societal conditioning. Um, it's really unfortunate, but I think, you know, so much of who we are today is really in the, in the digital space. Mm -hmm. And so much mm -hmm. of that is dictated by what others say or what others appropriate as the correct behavior or as good behavior. And I think there's still, you know, there are still um, very noble um, acts of good that are represented on social media. And, you know, we both use social media to perpetuate and to grow um, a base of, of charity and generosity and giving and spread the word um, and spread the gospel. Right. But I think what happens is we get so sucked into that identity that we lose ourselves and we lose our basic instinct to help. And that's where I think it originally comes from is that, you know, when we are younger, we are kind of very raw, you know, we haven't, we don't know how to use social media, not quite well. It's younger and younger. I think at three now they have phones and they know how they have a Facebook account, but you know, it's, it's, it's in your raw form is I think how, you know, God or how we were intended to be created as a, another member of this, you know, beautiful humanity where we can help each other become better and progress knowledge, progress our health, our environment, and to really develop the world around us. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and unfortunately, I think, you know, social media has been great, but I think it can also be misused and abused. And I think, un unfortunately, that's mm -hmm. what's happening more recently is a lot of these profiles, you see a lot of you know, cyberbullying, for example, um, you know, see a lot of peer pressure for people to look a certain way, to act a certain way. Um, even when people are writing certain things, sometimes people are afraid to post certain things, or sometimes people overpost about certain things. Right. And, and I think we are so disconnected from how not only others truly feel about us, but how we really feel about ourselves. Because I think it all, so I, I think, let, let me try to recap it real quickly in my, my sentiment on this. And I, I think it comes from social media taking us away from our own happiness because there is an artificial happiness that we are seeking for. And that is the happiness of others going through the digital space, liking, loving, how many followers do we have? And unfortunately, that is what pays right now. You know, you see a lot of these Instagram stars, YouTube influencers, and I, you know, I don't want to take anything. I mean, I, they've all worked hard for what they've done, but unfortunately I think we're moving in the wrong direction. I think our money yeah. is yeah. moving towards a um, digital artificial persona of ourselves versus really trying to delve deep into, you know, who we are, what really is happiness for us and how do we connect with others to make sure everyone around us uh, achieves the highest level of happiness as well. I totally agree. I, you know, I, there's a, um, uh, there's a, a old, uh, I think it comes per, to perspective, you know, um, yes. it's, especially on the purpose part, you know, because um, I, there's a, there's a story and I can't remember if it is, um, uh, I think it might be Buddhist. I'm not sure, but um, it talks mm -hmm. about, um, you know, when you have a full bowl, uh, 
you share it, right? right? But the perspective should not be my bowl is less full. The perspective is my bowl is more full, right? So I don't yeah. know about you, but even in, in, oh, in, in living beautiful. out my purpose to help others, yeah, I always get more in return than I give. I, I always feel. Right. Uh, right. I don't know right. about you. No, no, exactly. Actually, that analogy, and that's beautiful, by the way. Um, I'll have to look into that because, because I am Buddhist and I, don't, I do not know if uh, that is a Buddhist. Wait a minute. <laughs> a is, Buddhist the, is the Christian schooling the Buddhist guy <laughs> on Buddhism? What is happening? <laughs> you know, we, I, I'm a firm believer that we are, we can always learn from others, even in our own special. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Regardless. <laughs> <laughs> so see, I dug myself out of that hole pretty, pretty nicely. <laughs> very, very well. Very good. Very good. So yeah, my girlfriend has trained me well and my mom. Um, I, so I would say in that regards, you reminded me of something that I learned very early on in my charity work. So I'll go back to an example uh, back at UT. So this is, well, maybe I won't mention the year, but back at UT, uh, we, we were doing this drive. You can probably contextualize it because I think Haiti had an earthquake and UT had this great thing where they just said, yeah. look, we're going to, uh, there, there was actually this one person, he writes a great book. Uh, I think the book is called Both Ends Burning. You have to check that book out. And I think I, I will, even mentioned I it to you. Yeah, Both Ends Burning. And this is about a guy who kind of like what we were talking about, you know, he, he had all the money, had all the wealth, all the fame. I think he was like a hunt, like if not a billionaire, he was making hundreds of millions of dollars, super successful, got to retire early, but then felt very empty, felt that he wasn't, you know, living to his fullest potential and, and not being able to really have a purpose-driven life. And that was something he felt that he was, you know, uh, falling short on. So I think he, I, I forgot what happened in between and what was the reasoning that led him to that. But eventually he adopted a few kids from Haiti, came back to Haiti and helped out with some efforts in Haiti. And it's a beautiful story. And the reason why I mentioned that is because uh, Haiti, unfortunately, endured an earthquake. I think I want to say it's back in 2008, 2009. It was a pretty major earthquake and you know Haiti is the poorest country on this side of the, the planet and he was there at UT uh, he spoke to us and he got I think it was thousands of UT students to go out at different corners and see if we can you know collect money I, th I think long story short is we were able to collect I think nearly like 50 60 thousand dollars which is incredible in one day oh, that think, is. Or, or, or maybe it was one weekend yeah uh, but this was my experience. You know, this is because this is kind of like my first, excuse me, my first dabbling into charity and the sort of the nonprofit world. And I was at an intersection. I remember it was a very busy intersection. And I remember, I said, you know, my mindset was, look, I'm going to look for the Lambos. You know, this is like the Silicon Valley of Texas, right? I'm looking for Lambos, the Ferraris, the Mercedes. And I kid you not, the cars that, that were the nicest, they couldn't. They, they couldn't care more about what I was doing or, or, or they, they, they just turned a cold shoulder, right? They couldn't care less, I guess. So they're, they're at the intersection. They were trying to avoid eye contact and they just moved on, right? Even if they were the first car or the third car in line. And then I remember there were these, you know, cars that you could tell they were a little bit worn, they were used and they were, you know, barely sputtering. And I would see a hand stick out. I wouldn't expect anything. And I would see a $20 bill. And I said, wow, this mm. is crazy. Yeah, That, that just yeah. floored me. And that kind of goes back to that bull analogy because it's crazy that us as humans, we could have a full bull. And I think because of societal conditioning, we said, where's, where's my other bull? Where's, my, where's 10 more bulls? Whereas the person who has barely anything in that bull, they know what that experience is like. And they said, you know what? I may have half of a bowl left, but that's more than what this other person has. I'm willing to go down to a quarter or give what I have to help someone else. And it's crazy because it really shows you that the raw emotion or our basic instinct when, when, when we are surviving, I think it's that when we are at the most frail states, we are the most understanding and the most empathizing of that experience and we know what it's like and we don't want others to feel that way. 
and because we know the pain and the suffering. And that kind of delves a little bit into, I know we'll get into it, a little bit into Buddhism, right? Because Buddhism, Buddha was one who, a little bit of the story is he sat under the Bodhi tree and, you know, he, he was a, a man of wealth. He came from a very wealthy um, upbringing and he was a prince. And he, I, I think he was basically going to live his whole life in wealth and glitz and glamour and he wouldn't have to worry about anything. But then I think one day, and they never let him out. They never let him out of the palace. But I think one day he managed to come out and he also saw suffering. He also saw poverty. He also saw aging. And he saw like, all of these different things that mm. were causing people to not have happiness. And so he sat under the Bodhi tree and he meditated and he said, you know, I'm going to sit here and uh, try to understand and reflect on the world around me. You know, and as he sat there, I forgot how long, but it was really long time. He, he sat there and he, you know, he noticed things passing by. He noticed people who were having disease, who were disease stricken, who were suffering, who did not have money. And he was able to kind of understand the experience and reflect on that being in nature and, and trying to understand what it really means to experience all these difficulties. And that just reminded me that, you know, it all connects. You were talking about the bowl and I was thinking about my Buddhist upbringing and I was thinking about that charity event. And to me, it all connects because we, a, a lot of us who, I'm not saying only the wealthy, even sometimes even the middle class, you know, and, and again, that's a, a societal, um, a societal, uh, a caste uh, system, compartmentalization, yeah, yeah, right? Absolutely, yeah. It's this this hierarchical thing, you know, and and we're like, well, I'm in I'm in the middle class, and so you know, I can't I can't really understand what it's like to be wealthy, and I can't understand what's what it means to be poor, and that's why you know those who have less, when when they are in that situation of not having that much on a regular basis, and they always they always understand what, it's, what it means to not have much. When they look at someone else who don't have as much as them, it, it's without hesitation. They go to their basic instinct and say, I want to help. And I'll, I'll give you one more example and then we'll continue this conversation because right now it sounds like a monologue. No, it's okay. It's <laughs> but, okay. This is good. <laughs> one, of, one, of the, uh, one of the clients that I've helped actually even before the Village Connect was founded uh, was a single mom with five kids. And I remember for the long, it took me the longest time to gain her trust. You know, I think because society has always taught, you know, this guy is from another class. I am from another class. He's never going to understand what I'm going through. And she has been conditioned to lie to me for her benefit because she feels that like if she says, you know, I went through this, I will not get benefit. I have to lie about something so that I can be able to get benefits or get housing or get food stamps, things like that. And I said, mm. it took me a long time. I mean, I took, yeah. you know, this was, I've probably known her for our, oh my goodness, maybe eight years or so, wow. but it took us almost 10, two years. And I would still say to this day, there are still some things that she is a little hesitant to tell me. She'll eventually come around because I know her too well, Yeah. but it was, it was around, it took around two years. I mean, two really long years of just telling her, look, I'm on your side. I am your, I'm your, you know, partner in arms, we're going to try to get through this together. But I understand she's just been so beat up by, you know, by, by the system, by constantly being rejected. And the, the fact is when you're constantly being rejected for being honest and, and trying to do things the right way, mm-hmm. then, you, then what, what happens is you're forced into a, a life of crime. You're forced into a life of lying. You're forced into a, a life of oppression. And yeah. look, when you're trying to take care of five kids, I mean, let me ask you, you know, you have kids or anyone else out there, if you were forced in that situation, you were cornered that way. And they said, look, the route for you to take care of your kids is a, a life that is spotted and tainted and, and not as good as you originally intended. Would you do it? I mean, probably, right? To try to make sure that your kids can at least have a better life than yeah. you have, right? Because you, you, have, you have tried your hardest for so many years to live virtuously, live morally, and it hasn't worked. And I think it's unfortunately it's 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 part of the society and the system. Anyway, I think I'm tracking a little bit far, but well, you know, I I, yeah. I I I you know, I've always said we have got to get beyond this unless it happens to me mentality in society, right? Oh, yeah. uh, you oh, know, yeah. we don't well, care, and, and Brent, we don't we don't we don't as long as it doesn't bother me, yeah. you know, but we don't we don't realize how interconnected we are. 
right? Oh, yes, yes. The, the, oh my goodness, and, and absolutely. I always say, you know, we, we're like a tapestry, you know? You can't tell where one thread ends and the next thread begins, you know? And yeah. you can't even begin to try yeah. to unravel that, you know? Right. Um, right. And, and yeah, so what happens to those people, in quotes, over there, it will affect you in some sort of way. You may not realize 100%. it, you may not 100%. know it, but 100%. it does, you know? And, you know, to, to start to see people created in God's image um, and not just, you know, uh, you know, uninterconnected from one another, you know, disconnected, you know, not be so disconnected from each other and to realize, you know, that, uh, you know, yeah, I get it. But you know what? Um, let's get beyond that. Let's get beyond the, you know, unless it happens to me, I'm not going to care, you know, uh, mentality. And Brad, you know, I mean, I, I think you said it so beautifully in, in the same vein of thinking, you know, with the tapestry and so it's so hard to unravel. You know, one of the things I always, I always have to constantly debate myself over it's a question that a lot of people ask me because a lot of people say well you see homeless person do you help them right and and it's and it's hard because when you're in this sort of environment you know you let, let, let well let me set the record straight i am by no means the um the uh how, how should you say it the like you know most uh moral and perfect and immaculate individual who uh with you know sees every homeless person as going to help them to the nth degree you know I, and, and I think and I think that's not our responsibility honestly but you know what what I was thinking when you were seeing the tapestry is that the cool thing about the tapestry imagery I think is that there, it's there's so many different colors and there's so many different components to it mm -hmm. in so many different places mm -hmm. so what I mean by that is you know let's say you're in this corner of the tapestry you won't necessarily meet this guy in the tapestry but you will see this next person in this tapestry. And so how I think about it is in my daily life, when I come across someone and I come across someone that, you know, I, th I think, look, I'm in a position where I can help. I think the main thing is just having a conversation. You know, I think a lot of people are ignored. This tapestry right now, I think a lot of times we don't even see each other. That's the problem. The yeah. reason why we don't realize it's a tapestry is because a lot of individuals just because of their socioeconomic status, they're the patch right next to us, but they're completely invisible to us. So that's why we can, we've, and, and we've forced ourselves to think that way. That's why we can go about our daily lives and not interact with these individuals. Exactly. But just like you said, that fabric of humanity is so strong and so interconnected that if we continue to do that, I think, I think as, as and, and we are going through that right now, as a humanity, we are imploding. You know, we are doing harm unto ourselves. So I think the best way to really strengthen that tapestry and grow that tapestry is to really have that conversation, just to have a conversation. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to so many homeless people. Now, I don't talk to every homeless person. Look, I, if I am with my girlfriend walking down a dark alley in the middle of L.A., I'm not going to you know, get out of my way and say, look, we're going to interview 10 different homeless people and oh, see what they need. Honey, just stay over there. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll be back. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think in all, in all seriousness, I, I think, you know, we, we do have the responsibility to, to talk to others when we, you yeah. know, of course, in a safe space. I always say that I, you, you want to be able to make sure that, you know, a lot of times I've met so many homeless people in the med center along the rail. Mm -hmm. And I, especially if I've seen them three times, four times, five times, and a lot of times it's interesting. Sometimes I see their hair is all, you know, tussled up and they look a little, you know, a, a, a little bit like depressed and a, a little dirtier and they smell a little bit. And then sometimes I see them look better. And so then I, I you know, then I sit down and kind of talk to them and it, they, the stories they tell you are wonderful. And they're just human beings who have so much to share. Uh, and they're just waiting for someone to just sit down and, and, just talk to them. They just they just want to be listened. But anyway, I think it's it's beautiful what you said about the tapestry. Well, well, I and, really and, believe yeah, that. and you know, here's the thing with the tapestry too. It it, it reminds us not every it, it the entire world is not black and white, right? It, 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 yes. And I think we've gotten into a habit of black and white. You know, um, yep. 
uh, oh, if they're it's on convenient. the corner, in it's terms convenient. of you're homeless, oh, if they're on the corner and they're asking for money, they're going to use it for, um, yes. you know, drugs or yes. alcohol, or yes. they're lazy over there, you know, um, it, it's, it's not that black and white, you know, no. it's, it, 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 you know, in the tapestry, it is, you can't see where one thread be, uh, color begins and the next one ends. Um, right. you know, even if you stand back and you can see, you know, portions of greens and blues and reds, if you get up, close you're going to see what you are, right? You're, yeah. you're only sensitive to what Absolutely. you are and your needs. And you say, okay, well, this guy, I can be his friend because he is in a similar situation and we're okay. You know, and I, he won't ask me for money or she won't ask me for money. Right. Absolutely. That's what we'll see. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, one thing too, going back to, uh, you know, your, your time with um, your, your client there where you said, you know, it, it took two years, you know, I, I want folks to, to remember too, you know, um, I said this in another podcast, there's a difference between um, ministry and charity, right? Charity is a quick fix um, and it doesn't require much of us. Ministry yes. is actually walking beside people. Um, yes. and journeying with them. Um, but here's the thing. People won't care what you know until they know that you care. Um, wow. and, 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 you know. Where's the mic? Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and it's true. It's, it's why, you know, when, when uh, you know, for those of you that are, are listening and don't know, you know, I also, you know, developed a nonprofit that works with, with children in Africa called Acts of Wisdom. And, you know, when we're working with schools over there in, in Africa, you know, we take time to talk and to listen and we show up again and again and again and again in these villages because then people know that we care. Yes. And when they know yes. that we care, then they will begin to... Um, ask questions and want to know what we know, right? So, yes, yes. Um, and, and it's such an important part. Um, and, you know, in a society again, where it's, you know, we've, we reduced everything to 140 characters or whatever, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to do that. <laughs> well, you know, Brad, if I may, I, I, I know you want to move on. Well, sure. I, have, I have one quick uh, yeah, you know, absolutely. extension no. of that. Absolutely. It, and, you know, here we are on the theme of connectedness and visibility and ministry and, and standing by each other's side. And I want everyone, especially in Houston, to reflect on what happened recently during the winter storm. Right now, I, I just want you to think about how you felt. Right. Just think about as a human being, not having electricity, not having water, not having basic resources. Right. And imagine what that feels like if you were to magnify, if you were to stress it out to weeks, to months, to years. This is what a lot of people go through when they are homeless, right? And there's different shades of homelessness. There's a whole gradient of homelessness yeah. and everyone experiences different degrees. But I also want to remind, remind these people who, and I'm, I'm one of them, don't get me wrong, you know, who were complaining about how things were being you know, managed and how they had a lack of essential resources and it was very inhumane. I want you to also remember, you still had a roof over your head. You still had the infrastructure to be able to look back and complain about, complain about it from a better place. You were able to you know, get through it and survive it and say, look, that was a rough patch. I, I didn't like it when I felt it, but now I'm out of it. A lot of homeless people don't have that route for escape. Right, they don't have that. We all have a safety net because we've built an infrastructure. Even though you don't have electricity and water for a few days, you're able to, you know, once everything comes back on, you know, you still have your house, you still have the clothes on your back, you still have a, a means to put food on the table. And that's what the Village Connect really focuses on, if I may put in a shameless plug, is that the Village Connect really focuses on building that infrastructure and that platform. Like you said, charity is kind of about you know, the handouts and the quick, hey, I feel good because I went to a soup kitchen and I put together a it's, hygiene kit or a it's sack It's short-term fix. It's not the long-term fix. Exactly. Yeah. And exactly. And, and I wouldn't even call it a short-term fix. What I would call it is more, more of a Band-Aid that leads to worsening conditions that really exacerbates the overall Absolutely. picture. Yeah. Because what happens is you give people a false sense of quick fix security and what happens is then they keep turning back to you for that quick fix security every time they encounter a crisis. And that's what happened 
with my you know, with, with the client I'd mentioned uh, earlier at the very beginning, what I kept on doing, you need money, I'll give you money. You need this, I'll give you this. Two in the morning, you need this, I'll drive out to you. And that was a horrible way. And I'm so glad I experienced that in the pre-TVC years because that eventually led me to sort of have a pivot in, in or a paradigm shift in how I was envisioning TVC because before it was just be it was just going to be another organization that handed out resources and I think that's great not to take away from that every I think every organization has a specific function and role but I think the Village Connect are what what is needed from us is the ability to connect people to existing resources and individuals who are in a position to help but so they have issues with connecting with the people who need help and the people who need help have issues connecting with them and building that, you know, tapestry, as you had so beautifully said, we call it the village. And I think the village is very much a Absolutely. tapestry. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And it takes, it takes a village to raise a child. Right. And it takes the tapestry to make us who we are as a whole humanity. Yeah. And I think, and I think being able to not only connect, but being able to sit down with both of them and say, look, we are in this together. We're in this together. We are trying to help each other, both of all of us become better. How do we do that? And how do we do it in a way that is, is more of a ministry than a charity? Because the, the Village Connect really focuses on stability and sustainability, right? Okay. And independence. And, you, and I mentioned that in the mission statement. So what that means is, in, as opposed to just giving you the soup or giving you, let's say, you know, water, which is, you know, in emergency situations, you need that. But instead of doing that, how do we build the infrastructure so that you can weather these storms so that you can be like one of us, you know, or I don't, I don't want to put a blanket statement, but you know, one of the people who are maybe on this podcast and, and maybe not, maybe some people are, are going through some extreme difficulties, but you know, a lot of us were, were fortunate enough to, the millions of us were fortunate to go through it, ride it out, complain about it, and now see the other side of it and, and continue with our lives. And you know, how do we connect that person to you know, the individual who needs the help, needs the resources. And so, I, yeah, just to kind of bring it full circle, is to really think about that moment in time for you and what it's like as another human being who experiences that. And just remember that experience and remember that you were able to get out of it. And a lot of people aren't. And so that's why I think these, these experiences that we have really connect us and really remind us that we are all subject to the same suffering and pain if we lack these basic resources to survive and thrive um, as, an, as, as human beings. So I, I think, you know, I, this is a really good time for us to say, look, let's look at introspectively, look at, you know, what we have done, you know, it, as, as a member of this community, you know, in a smaller sense, the Houston community, but in greater sense, the, the, the community of humans and, and see how we have contributed as a patchwork of this tapestry. Yeah. And if we, if we really feel, I, I really ask for and challenge people to really search deep inside them and say, look, you know, you're right. Um, and, I, I, and, and you don't have to listen to me necessarily. You know, I could, I'm a nobody, but really just take time to reflect and say, look, I really experienced hardships that I wouldn't want anyone else to experience. And if you feel that way, I think there are definitely ways to give back. Um, the Village Connect is one of them because we're about to launch a very exciting campaign where we're going to have a team that is basically community voices. Now, I'm not talking about community leaders or well-established people. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about people who are frustrated. They didn't like what happened. They don't want to see others go through this, especially don't want to see go, people go through this for long periods of time. They are reminded of what it is like to be human, and, but, they are, but they want to make a positive change and they feel like you know, I don't want to get political, but they feel like the people who are in positions of power are not doing it correctly and they can come join this team. So I'll just check out um, the villageconnect.org. We'll put something on the website, but this is our initiative Absolutely. in the next few months is to build this community solutions team. And that's awesome. That's awesome. And so, so Trung, uh, for those who aren't, um, uh, don't know about the Village Connect, you guys really do. You're the middleman. You connect um, homeless to, um, institutions and organizations that can help lead to longer sustained, um, help. Um, I love your band-aid, um, uh, illustration because here's the deal about band-aids. Band-aids don't heal. 
right? <laughs> they they right. actually don't heal, you know, band-aids right. don't actually heal a wound. They help it, right. but they don't heal it. And, right. um, and you guys are working towards that health, that healing of the whole, of the whole person, not yes. just getting them off the street, right? But also in terms of sustainability, <clears throat> job, home, uh, finding their purpose, um, right. you know, actually uh, I'm, I'm smiling a little bit. I'm sorry. I, I can't help myself. If, have you seen, um, Vegas vacation Chevy chase? Oh, that's one of my favorite. I, uh, all okay. of the, all of the Chevy chase ones. Are I, awesome. I, yeah. I think, I think this is even better. A more comical, uh, analogy. Instead <clears throat> of the bandaid, remember the, the dam, the Hoover dam, the Hoover dam. Hoover, yeah. He was trying to use bubble gum. Right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and you see what happened. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It made things much worse. Absolutely. So this, I think this is a, a perfect, uh, <laughs> a perfect representation of, of what we're talking about. Uh, so um, you mentioned, you know, that you're Buddhist. Uh, yes. So how did your faith in Buddhism lead you uh, to start the Village Connect? What, what is it about the Buddhist faith, your ideals that you get from your faith? Because I, I always believe our faith helps us one find purpose number two it also leads us and guides us on our journey um, and especially in helping others so what what in your faith led you to start um, the village connect man that's that's a beautiful question uh, usually when i preface it with that that means it's a very hard question <laughs> i can see the gears turning <laughs> no it's great it's great i i, I think we all need times to reflect and meditate. And this is what Buddhism, um, Buddhism really teaches. So, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll take it a step back and if I may kind of take a, a more aerial overview. So for me, faith um, means a lot of different things. There's a lot of different dimensions to faith, you know, and I think we kind of touched on religious and spiritual faith. And that is something yeah. that I was born into, right? I was born into uh, Buddhism, my family comes from, from a very str uh, strong Buddhist background. And, you know, that from that, I think there are several other forms of faith that emanated from that. And, you know, Buddhism at the core really teaches, you know, there's, there's a lot of different, uh, don't, don't ask me to cite specific texts or anything like that. I'm, I'm by no means. And I, and I think that's also the beauty of Buddhism is that I think most people who say they practice Buddhism, it's more of a, like I said, a spiritual guide and a discipline um, rather than, you know, it's religion in the, in the strict sense of the word. You know, we, yeah, we don't really right. go to specific sermons or lectures or teach. You can, you can, if you're seeking, you know, more enlightenment, if you'd like to uh, try to achieve, you know, there are these four noble truths and, you know, try to walk down the eightfold path, things like that. Um, but it all goes down to reaching enlightenment and the core values for that and the core routes to do that is um, by understanding the suffering, um, by giving to others and, under and living a life um, that is open-minded and open-hearted, right? I think those are kind of, if I could really summarize the tenets of Buddhism, that to me, um, what Buddhism represents. And that really, uh, I think, gives a very strong connection or a strong um, just, you know, a beeline to, to the village connect, you know, so, you know, coming from a background where, you know, I learned that we have to, in order to truly help, we need to truly understand what one goes through um, in their darkest moments, when they're in the most pain, when they are suffering the most. And also that we as human beings aren't always correct. And we, in order to grow and reach enlightenment, we need to not be, you know, you can't have one and not the other. You have to be both open-hearted in your generosity, but in order to be open-hearted, you need to constantly accept failure and accept, accept rejection and accept the fact that you are not always right and you aren't perfect as a human being. And I think that comes into um, the idea of being open-minded and those go, you know, in, in tandem. And, and once you get, you know, you're open-minded, open-hearted, then you can fully um, give the utmost to unto yourself, to others. And I think what, you know, a, a big thing that a lot of people maybe may miss about Buddhism, and maybe I'm going to get some criticism from that. I don't know if there are any uh, Buddhists there uh, that are listening to this podcast, 
But to me, how I interpret it is in a weird way. And we've, we've really, um, we've really casted this as a really negative, um, a really, a really negative concept. But I think it is part of us, you know, down to the core as human being and that in order to be selfless, we must first be selfish. And what I mean by that is we, we have to reach the enlightenment to understand, you know, we have to teach ourselves what it means to be like person A, person B, person C. And in order to do that, you have to nurture yourself. You have to nurture your soul. You have to nurture your spirit. You have to nurture your physical being. Once you are in a position where you are nurtured and knowledgeable and enlightened, then can you truly give unto others in a way that will help them? Because think about it, Brad. Let's say I am a physician where I went through med school halfway and I, I, I didn't try to learn all the, the trades. I didn't go through residency and training or, or anything like that. And I said, look, I'm, I'm good. I learned what I need to. I read a few books, bam, I'm, I'm a doctor. When you go out there, what, what's going to happen is you're going to do more damage than good, right? Because then you may know the quick fixes, right. but you didn't take the time to commit yourself to ministry rather than charity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What you're worried about is just going out there and doing something really quickly to try to, you know, quickly fix situations in emergency crisis, which may work in the short term, but in the long term, what's going to happen is not only are you going to get that one person to come back, but all those different people that you try to do quick fixes for, they're going to constantly come back and they're constantly going to say, well, things have become worse. What do I do now? So you can't give those same solutions over and over again because it'll just make things much worse and it's not sustainable. And so anyway, yeah, Buddhism for me has really given me that route towards really seeking for, you know, how do we tackle the source of homelessness and poverty and suffering rather than, you know, what can I do today to just, and, and it's great. Again, I want to remind folks, like, you know, if you're going to the soup kitchen, that's great too. But I think if we really want to tackle, you really want to address the problem of homelessness, we have to tackle it at its core. And a lot of it has to do with really the disconnect that we have as human beings because of these social standards we have set for ourselves. And that's where I think, you know, Buddhism has really led me towards a path to founding the Village Connect, which has been a platform in a very selfish way, as I referred to earlier, of me being able to understand what humans are going through and being able to go out to third ward and go out to 59 caval and, and, and cavalcade and 45 and different parts of Houston and really go out there and say, you know, I'm, I'm in, in, a, in a weird way, I'm commi committing myself to a selfless ministry, but I have to first be self selfish in my charity to myself to, in the short term to really nurture myself so that I say, look, be, because I help person A, when I come to a person's B situation, they may be experiencing something different, but I learned something from person A that I could transplant to person B and help them then get that much better. And I think that's that that's all. I, I hope that answered your question. No, I think absolutely. That's how it all connected. That it was awesome. It was amazing. And and as as you were talking, I was sitting here and I was thinking, you know. Um, Gosh, it doesn't matter <laughs> what religion you are, uh, because what you just said, I think, is at the heart of every religion. I mean, you can find in Christianity yes. and Buddhism and Hinduism and uh, Islam uh, empathy for others, yes. uh, helping others, uh, uh, being uh, selfless and giving um and mindful of what's happening to your neighbor i every one of them has this you know yes. and it's what you know i always say we need to focus on our similarities more than our differences um because there are way more similarities than there are differences um between everyone um and and i i was also struck when you were talking too in you know from my understanding in my reading you know Buddhism isn't so much a religion that it is a way. Um, yes. uh, uh, and, yes. and this is what Christians forget. We were that for a long time. Um, in the early part of Christianity, um, the word that gets translated as church is a word called ecclesia. 
And ecclesia was actually a um, non-religious word. It was a it, it was a it was a word that was used to describe a group of people centered around a movement around a belief. So it was not so much a place that people went. It was a movement. It was a way of being. And actually, um, they were called followers of the way, the way being Jesus Christ um, uh, for a long time before they were called Mm -hmm. Christians. Mm -hmm. And and we have lost that um, as Christians and, and have reduced church to a place that we go for one hour a week on a Sunday, and that is it, rather than a movement or a way of living and a way of being. And, um, you know, it's something that we can definitely learn, I think, uh, from, from Buddhism. Well, well Brad, I think, you, I, I think the progression, I think, is something that makes sense is, is, is an evolution of the faith. And I see that not only in Christianity, I see that in Catholicism. I see, you know, all these yeah. sort of social perfunctory constructs. And I, I think actually it's up to the individual, I think is, is, is what it really comes yeah, down to. It's, it's just like, it's just like social media and it's just like the internet out there. I mean, you can learn so much from the internet and social media and really grow yourself and mature and your understanding of the world around you. And I think it's the same I mean, that's what the space of a church, the space of a temple, these different routines are designed to do is that it's that one hour of reflection that you can step away from everything else in your life. It's the fuel. It, it's it where you it is. fuel, right? <laughs> and I think, unfortunately, a lot of people are interpreting it. Oh, well, it's an, an hour I have to go through every Sunday or, you know, it's something it's I just got to get over with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. An and it's, and it's very unfortunate. And I, and I'll tell you something, you know, I'm, I'm Buddhist, but I said a lot about being open-minded, open-hearted. I, I go with my girlfriend. Um, she's Catholic actually. And I go with her to mass almost every Sunday. And I take that as a time to, you know, it's, it's funny because a lot of people don't understand why I'm there, but I'm not Catholic. And I said, look, I'm there because I'm a human being. I'm there because I know that we can always learn from each other. We can always better each other if we are able to connect with each other. So I'm not there to say, well, what, what does this teach that Buddha does not teach? You know, Buddha's right about this, this, and that, you know? And, and I, think, I, I think this all, this is great because this is sort of the biggest themes in my life. It's gonna sound super cheesy because if you, if, you, if you cast off all the comical, the satirical, the Pers- the, the, the personable side of me, there's something at my core that if you really do know me, it's something I harp on all the time. And it's love. You know, it, it comes down to love. And if we can truly love one another, and I mean it in the deepest and sincerest and most genuine sense, if we're able to shed off all of this artifice from the, the digital technology and how we have to look and how we have to appear and, and wanting to get you know, instant gratification, if we just cast all, the, all that off aside, at the end of the day, we are creatures of love and we are designed to be creatures of love so that we can help one another and better each other each and every day. And that's what I think, you know, whether it's Jesus Christ, whether it's Buddha, whether it's Allah, I really do believe in that, Brad. I really do believe that there's such a strong conviction uh, to, to love within us and within this tapestry that you so beautifully said of humanity. Absolutely. That really holds us together. And if, and if we, if we lose that, I think this is when we start hurting each other. Well, and I'm, I'm, I've just been reminded, I actually had to, had to look it up real quick. There, there is a book called Living Buddha, Living Christ. And it really is about, I, I highly recommend it. It is about how similar uh, Buddhist teachings are with Christ. Yeah. And that I think they I've heard really could have been buddy buddies. <laughs> they, yeah. really, uh, they really could have. So uh, for right. all of you who are out there uh, listening, uh, really uh, uh, look it up, get it. Um, uh, it, it it's, a, it's a fantastic read. Um, my friend, I, we, could, we could be here for another hour or two. Um, I want to invite you back. I want to talk more with you if you sure, want sure. to come back. Um, but uh, we're, we're out of time for today. Um, I, I am always ending our uh, podcast with what I call the final four. Um, I have random questions here on oh, no. a card. Um, and it's the first thing that you can think of. All right. These are, these are off the cuff, um, uh, w- whatever. And, uh, so are you ready? 
I'm, I'm horrible at these, by the way, but sure. Let's see how All I right, fare. here we go. All <laughs> right. Okay. If you could live during a different time in history, when would it be and why? Ah, the Renaissance. I, I think during that time, there was such a huge explosion of growth spiritually, um, emotionally, intellectually. Uh, I'd love to be back in the Renaissance. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, what movie or book has influenced you the most? Ah, uh, this is a great, great uh, book. It's about a doctor um, who I think is, um, you know, God sent. And uh, his name is, well, his name is Dr. Paul Farmer, but the book is called Mountains Beyond Mountains. I highly recommend it. It's about, um, it's, bio, it's biography about how he went through med school, how he saw sort of the suffering in Haiti and how it's turned into partners in health. Awesome. Awesome. What makes a conversation great? Uh, I think any conversation between two individuals is great. I think the fact that you have a conversation or a dialogue between, you know, with another human being is great, even if it is an like argument it. at times. But but don't tell my girlfriend this because I don't I like, like it. too many arguments. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, what job would you never want to have and why? Oh, job would I never want to have? Man, okay, off the cuff. Uh, job would I never want to have? Man, I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm bad at off the cuff. Uh, give me like 10 more seconds. It's funny because I like to do so many different things. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to, um, I wouldn't want to, what are those guys like the auditors or the guys that like uh, knock on your door and say, audit, or, book, or, audit your books for or, the IRS? Or actually, no, uh, debt collector. I hate to be debt, debt collector. collector. There you go. <laughs> There you go. There I you hate go. to be a debt collector. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, Tron, my friend, thank you very much for uh, coming to uh, Faith Journeys. It was great um, having this conversation oh. with you. Like I said, I would love to have you back um, in the future. Everybody go check out the Village Connect on uh, their website, thevillageconnect.org. Um, Trung is doing some amazing work with homelessness and I hope you check him out uh, uh, soon. So thank you all for joining us. It's great to have you again. Remember you are on a journey, but you are not alone. We are all in this together and we can make a difference in our world if we would just put our differences aside. That's been my uh, biggest thing out of this conversation today. Um, and uh, our faith really does um, form who we are and what we do in the world. So uh, until next time, uh, thanks for tuning in. It is an honor. It is an honor to have you listen and to stick around for 40, 45 minutes um, on these podcasts. Um, I, I am humbled and we will see you the next time. God bless you all. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.